0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. I'm going to finish off this message. I really... Man, I, I'm gonna be more personable today. I'm gonna be more personal because I just really believe in what we're talking about today. That I, I'm just gonna be more sharing on my own experience. I'm hoping that's okay um, with you. But I just as we get it up here, this is my fault. I I, I need a personal assistant to walk with me all Sunday morning. <laughs> I forgot to give Sam the the stick for this. Are we good? Okay, so here's the verse for today. It's in your sermon notes. Turn this on, Mark. Again, personal assistant would help. (laughs) This is what Jesus says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you... Like get this, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. And we like the latter part of that verse. We get excited about the fact that we can ask Jesus for anything we want and he will give it to us. We say preach it, we get behind that. But some of us might approach it differently and think, "Wow, well, we have some reservation. It's a nice saying and I kind of believe it, but is it true? Here's the good news, it's absolutely True. Jesus promises to you. Jesus does not break promises, but you need to know and understand that there is this important precondition attached to the promise. There is a prerequisite that we got to understand today, and we will understand today before we begin asking Jesus for anything. And it's not—it's not a compromise. It is a blessing. So this is this is what I want us to know today. The precondition, the prerequisite, found is found in one simple word, and the word is this. How exciting. <laughs> that word is remata, okay. which is a, a, the, the Greek word based on the word rima. And um, remata is found right there in the verse. So it means words. And in the Greek, where the original New Testament was originally written in, there are two Greek words that come up and mean two different things. One of the words, you've heard of this one, logos. That's God's word. It's his, it's his revelation of truth to us. The Bible is his logos. That's his revelation of truth. It doesn't change. It, it's eternal. An example of logos found in the Bible is right here. Anyone, Jesus says, who listens to my teaching, who listens to my logos, my truth, my divine truth, and follows it is wise like a person who builds his house upon the rock. That's an example of the word logos being used in the scripture. But this other word that we find in our scripture today is rima. It's defined as God's word spoken to you. It's when God speaks his truth and and, and gives it uh, some direction to you personally in your situation. It's an utterance from God to you which can direct, which can discipline, which can encourage you. Hearing God, this seminar I'm talking about is about hearing God. It's about the fact that God is not distant, he's not cut off, he still speaks to you, he wants to speak to you, and, uh, and, I, and I value God's logos, knowing the truth that sets me free, but I depend on him using that truth to speak to me personally, to direct me throughout my life and into my situation. An example of rima in the New Testament is this. Peter, when he, when he um, denied Christ three times, and immediately the rooster crowed the second time, suddenly Jesus' words, that's the word rima, flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you ever knew me or know me, and he broke down and wept. So that's when Jesus said to Peter, you're going to deny me three times. That's my rima to you. It, this is what you're going to do. And Peter goes, no, 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 no. Jesus says yes before you hear the crow twice. And as soon as you heard the crow twice, you realize he had denied him. That was Jesus' words to you. Now the fact that you hear a rooster crow does not mean that you've denied Jesus three times, right? But that was his word specifically for Peter in that situation. That that was a rima for Peter. Now here, I want to stop and make sure you get this. So I'm going to pause for dramatic effect. God's rima, his personal word to you, will never contradict his logos, his word for all. That is key. His rima, when he speaks to you personally, directs you, it will never contradict what he says in the Bible. I'll give you an example. This is one that happens today. And and, and God's logos, his divine truth, he says this to us. Do not, oh, I missed that. What's oh, the wrong one yeah. No, Mark, where are you? There we are. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And we often take that. We know that God is speaking uh, not only of relationships, but certainly marriage relationship. And our believers and followers of Jesus are not to marry non-believers. If and if we were to marry non-marry uh, unbelievers, that makes sense. Then we're not to marry them. That we would not date unbelievers because, you know, if it doesn't lead to marriage, why are we even spending time dating someone if we don't think it will ever lead anywhere? We're just wasting our time and, and their time. So the Bible refers it refers to a believer and a non-believer coming together. Has been unequally yoked. So, when two oxen are yoked together to pull a plow, you want them to be on the same page. When two oxen are yoked together to pull the plow, you want them to have the same intention, holding the same goals about what is to be accomplished in this field today. And you want them to agree what the role is, what their purpose is. If one oxen is working from a different agenda, saying going this way, and the other says going this way, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be chaos. In the same way God's Logos says we're not to be unequally yoked in marriage. If one is a Christian whose top priority is to follow and obey Christ and the other isn't, have that agenda. There's trouble. There's chaos. There's tension. There'll be tension and trouble because you're living from two different outlooks on life. So this is why I'm making this point. If a professing Christian were to come to you and say, I believe God is telling me, he's giving me rima, it's okay to be in a relationship with a non-believer. You have every right to say, that's not God telling you that. No. Because God's rima will never contradict his logos. See that, how important that is? It doesn't get free license. God told me something, that it not, not if it contradicts his word. God won't declare the truth of being unequally yoked in his Bible and tell you to go be unequally yoked. So I want to make sure we understand that. I feel very, very strong about the role that his logos plays, his truth, his word, and his rima, his direction, his word to you that plays out in our life. The first time, I'm gonna be very open, but the first time I remember experiencing God's rima in my life, I was about, I think, 13 or 14 years old. I remember coming home from somewhere on New Year's Eve, and I was the only person home And so I began to pray to God that night for things to accomplish over the year. Now I was a young Christian, I went to church faithfully, but I had no youth group, I had no other, I didn't even know another Christian youth my age at this point. And so while I knew the Sunday school stories, I didn't know a lot of the Logos, uh, some of the truth, some of the the, the things that, that God would want us to know that are true for us in our life. I loved him, I faithfully attended church, but lacked some understanding. And so I'm saying that because one of the things I prayed for in the coming year was that I could have sex that year. My friends are talking about it. It seems like a good thing, God. I think this would be a good thing to experience this year. That's how ignorant I was. (laughs) So in all sincerity, I prayed for this and asked for it. I had no idea about God's logos regarding the matter. I did not know that sex was exclusively for the marriage relationship, that he would bless that, bring them together in union. I did not understand that or know that. I'm sure God had a bit of a chuckle. Hey, guys, come over here. (laughs) This is what Mark's praying for down there. (laughs) What I do know is at that moment as I prayed, God gave me this rima. He's made it very, very, very clear to me. He said this, if you would wait until marriage... He would give me the most beautiful Christian bride to be my wife. I went, really? That's important to you? Yes, it is. And so I kept his words, his rima in me, and I obeyed. And there was a time when I, you know, God would say, Mark, you know, to keep that rima in, you've got to practice 2 Timothy 2.22, run away from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. And so as in my late teens, as I'm keeping those words, his rima in my life, I find myself praying for a wife later in life. I prayed, believing for a beautiful Christian woman I could share life with. I could ask for this boldly because, but if you remain in me and my rima that I gave you and directed you in stays with you, you can ask for anything. So I asked for that wife. And you know, God answered my prayer. You know that, don't you? <laughs> Her name's Glenda. Where is she? There she is. There's a beautiful. <laughs> 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 Married way beyond what I was. <laughs> you know how it feels, right, Dave? <laughs> but more than that, God knew that I'd be in ministry one day. And so more than that, he gave me a wife that this Passionate, this passion for the ministry of Christ, for the church. And I wouldn't know that at the time. And I'm so glad because we, she is as passionate, as involved, and caring. What you see is what you get. And I remember before God called me in the ministry, I was in Vancouver, when I finally, well, Enderby, British Columbia, I said yes to God and to his call to ministry. And I was going to Vancouver and a choir tour. I knew I had to phone Glenda because this was April. And we're getting married in August. And that's a big change. But God already gave his remit to Glenda, saying, This was going to happen. As we called in the ministry, there's a change coming. So God is so good to speak into your life, to prepare you, to encourage you, to direct you, to save you from tragedy and mistakes. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. and It will be granted. I still listen to God today. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, he directed me and he corrected me because he loves me. I, um, yeah, some of you know that my, my dad died when I was about seven years old. And before he died, he was in Scarborough General Hospital, the round hospital around Lawrence and uh, McCowan. I was married McCowan. No, Lawrence and McCowan. Um, he had what we call a near-death experience. My mom, my uncle, my aunt, my, my grandmother were in the room, and uh, he had died. But he came back and said to my mom, I felt myself lifting up just like typical. I was above you, I could see you, I hear you calling my name. Uh, There's beautiful music. I saw the, the tunnel, the lights. But I came back just to tell you, I'm okay. I'm all right. Um, my uncle, I asked him who was there about it as I was a little older. And he wrote me this note. He said this about that occasion in his room. I remember my brother, your dad, telling me pretty well the classic story matching most of the out-of-body experiences that I've heard others tell about. Pretty well like your mom told you, he told me he was floating above the bed looking down at himself and your mom. He heard her calling, but he told me he was so disappointed that she kept calling him because he was feeling so wonderfully at peace. And at what we saw and heard at the opening of the bright tunnel. He said he realized that he had the choice either to keep going towards the light or coming back. He told me that he very reluctantly made the choice to come back because of the love and responsibility he felt for his family. And ever since that, because that was my dad, I've been fascinated with what it's going to be like when I die. Not just because it happened to him because I'm going to someday, do you know that? And I'm going to experience what other people have said they've experienced. Um, some of you might have read the book Heaven is for Real. Uh, it was about four-year-old Colton who said he went to heaven and came back. And some people are skeptical. Well, I get that because there was one book where a guy was lying, one, one child. But I, I, somehow he knew things about his family that he wouldn't have known unless he, Jesus had told him in heaven. And that's what made it so credible. And so I invited Todd Burpo, the father who was a pastor of the uh, Wesleyan Church in Imperial, um, Nebraska, up to our church. And um, he spoke at our men's breakfast. He, we rented out the theater in town, like the live theater. And we invited the community to come here because a lot of people knew the book or the movie, which is not as good, but the book is great. And we filled that place. And he, I found him to be so authentic because he didn't try to sell his book but he stayed and he prayed with people till 11 o'clock that night. I thought, wow, that's real. He spoke in church next Sunday, amazing message. Lifted Jesus up. And then Monday, though it wasn't his contract, he came and spent time with me to talk about ministry and church and, and to give me ideas and advice. And I thought, this guy is real. So I'd sing all that because there's another book called Imagine Heaven. I don't know if you've read that. My prayer leader in my last church was reading it, Timothy, and he told me about it. And then a couple of weeks ago, a friend from Alberta came and said, I'm reading this book, and I went, I remember that. And author John Burke, the author, he, he gets together the common experiences of, of credible people, people who aren't trying to sell a book. He got Harvard professors, doctors, pastors, who have had a near-death experience, even blind people, and he shows how similar things happen. Things in the Bible that say will happen, happen. And some of these common experiences like the one my dad experienced, Obviously, most of them, they, they hover above their body, they see down, they look, they see what's happening. One lady even said, I saw the running shoe on a window ledge in this room in the hospital. They went and checked and sure enough, there it was. They share how, how there is this tunnel and there's a very bright light and it's very peaceful and pure. And people would often share how they met Jesus. Jesus could see and know everything about them. And yet they felt so loved and accepted and they had trouble explaining, putting the words, what that felt like. We think heaven is this unknown thing, but for them, they said, This is the shadow. That was so real. Life seems like a shadow compared to what I experienced there. But the part that fascinates me the most, the common experience that people had was. The question Jesus would ask them more than once, this was very common. He'd ask them, What did you do with your life? How did you love others? How did you love others unconditionally as I loved you unconditionally? One of these sharing, Dr. George Ritchie, um, had his life reviewed before him in his near death experience. Uh, and this is what came evident. I'm going to read this. He said, every detail of 20 years of living was there to be looked at. The good, the bad, the high points, the run of the mill. And with, this all, and with this all-inclusive view came a question. It was implicit in every scene. And like the scenes themselves seemed to proceed from the living light beside me, Jesus, what did you do with your life? It was obviously not a question in the sense that he was seeking information for what I had done with my life was in plain view. I would never gone beyond my own immediate interests. Done anything other people would recognize as valuable. He writes, as I located at the proudest moment in my life, I became an Eagle Scout. Again, the words seem to emanate from the presence beside me. That glorified you. I realized that it was I who was judging the events around us so harshly. It was I who saw them as trivial, self-centered and unimportant. No such condemnation came from the glory shining around me. He was not blaming or reproaching. He was simply loving me, filling the world with himself and yet somehow attending to me personally. What have you done with your life to show me? And that makes sense, the parable of the talents. We're gonna come before God and lay down what we've done with our life. This is what I've done for you. You give me all these things. This is how I'm returning, where I'm returning back to you. And the most important thing, again and again and again, I'm just getting this, is love. And I'm convinced when you and I die, we're going to meet Jesus. We're going to feel the death of his love and his acceptance like we've never known before. And I believe this will give us this panoramic view of everything we've done in our life. And he's going to ask you, What have you done with the life I've given you? How did you love others? And that always seemed to be the most important thing. All these people are coming back from death with the understanding it's all about how we as followers love God, love those closest to us, and love humanity. And that doesn't surprise me, because you know what the Bible says? God is love. Amen. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. It shouldn't surprise me that this was the most important thing because the greatest commandment is this: love. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, "You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. The first and the greatest commandment. The secondly, a second is equally important: love your neighbors as yourself." I shouldn't be surprised. This is the most important thing because what pleases God more than anything is when we love. 1 Corinthians 13, you know this passage. If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans to possess all the knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I'd have gained nothing. What if I could speak many languages? People would be impressed, but not God if I didn't love. What if I had the faith that could move mountains? I'd be on every talk show. I'd be writing a book, doing book tours. People would be fascinated, but not God if I did not love. Um, this past week, when Glenn and I were away at the district uh, retreat. During the communion time, which was the highlight for me at the end, an older missionary—she knows Jean um, from um, Guinea—I think that's where she's from, not Papua New Guinea, but or or not Guinea, the other side of Papua New Guinea. But she came, put her arms around, and then I started praying for us for like five minutes. Just kept praying. And, and, and in her prayer she would say, she, I remember her saying these two things, she would say twice, at least twice, even if they don't accomplish great things, may they please you. And the inside I'm crying out, no, I want to accomplish great things. I'm wired to do great things. Why are you praying that? But as I'm finishing off this message this week, as God brings everything together, I'm realizing God isn't going to be impressed with great accomplishments, he isn't impressed with the things which bring me glory. He's going to ask me, Mark, how did you love others? I am love. That's the greatest command. That's what pleases me. How did you love others? How did you bring glory towards me and not yourself? So I'm, re- I'm reading this book and I'm spending it's a Monday afternoon. I'm downstairs spending some time listening to God, reading this book, praying with him. And I know that Jesus is going to ask me that question. And in the last two weeks, my church renewal lessons has been on generosity, living generously, giving generously. So that's in my mind, and praying over that, and praying for about how do I love others? And then, you know, to be very honest with you, I. I began, I began to realize that over the last year, I've been very disappointed in some of the financial things that happened in my life because I could not foresee this. I didn't realize there's a cost to do something, to do this. And Glenda would tell you that I get down and grumpy sometimes because of it. And so I'm thinking, how? what cost can I make? What can I cut back because of these, this money that, that I had to pay for things that I didn't know I had to pay for? And um, So I looked at my, I was thinking, well, you know, this is not be tor- horrible. Yeah. My world vision child, a month. Maybe I think I'll cut that back. I don't know why cable never came up. (laughs) Or Netflix. And I thought about that's what I'm going to do and I thought I'm going to pray that. But I'm thinking, sitting there, thinking about this and thinking about what God said. How do you love others? How do you love generously? And the phone rang. Guess who it was? World Vision. (laughs) (laughs) And Lake goes, Mark, I want you to know you sponsor a child. I want you to know in in, um, Malawi, That right now there's a child, there's a village there we're supporting. They don't have water, they don't have food. And there's this girl named Maria that really needs help, and her family needs help. And I'm listening and saying, Why do you know this is important? Why do you know this place is important? Because we sent our people in, we work with local politics, we are politicians, and and, and we know this is a real need. Would you be willing to add her on to your other person? Yes. And you see, God does that because he loves me. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get you. You listen to him, he will love you. Yeah. And he not, he's not, he, he, he wants to, he knows I want to please him. He knows I get off track. He knows sometimes I think other things are more important than he is. It's because Marcus wanted, just if you listen to me, I'm going to give you rima. This is how it's going to work. You're going to think about this, you're going to read this. All that led up to that moment, ring. One of the stories in the book Imagine Heaven was a pastor who had a near-death experience. This is the question Jesus asked him. Do you know the names of your children's friends? This is what he said, let me read. This was not a daydream. God wanted to know the answer, but I couldn't list a single one. I was caught dead to rights. The realization struck me like a bolt of lightning. I had taken the time to get to know my children's best friends and long-term buddies. These friends often visited our, our house. They were always welcome, but I was anything but hospitable. When they came, I was usually fixated on one project or another. Many times I wasn't there. And then God spoke to me about not only being faithful and giving, he said, do you pray for those kids, your kid? Have you ever written them? So that changed. I know their names now. Yurongu and Maria. I've written to them. I pray for them Every day. Because God says, this is what's important. How are you loving others? Not just being faithful, but how are you being fruitful in your life? His word, his rima, remains in me regarding those kids. And I want to ask you, how boldly do you think I can pray for them now? If my word remains in you, if I gave you this direction, ask. So I'm asking. Pray for them this morning. That God will bless them physically and mostly spiritually and their families. I'm so glad you're here today, but I want you to know, if the Sunday message is all you're using to grow in a relationship with Christ, you're in trouble. I mean that with all love. I love preaching. I love to think it makes a difference. But I know that if this is what you're relying on, it's not enough. Attending Sundays, not pursuing God and his word through the week will leave you starving and weak. Kind of like if you eat physical food, just once a week, that's how your spiritual food, your life's gonna look like. And this is the big gathering. I love this. I need this. I look forward to this. But, there's more that we're offering you than Sunday, attending, saying, I like this, I don't like this, and going home again. Something called life groups. A smaller gathering. It is where we go much deeper with one another. So we take the message on Sunday and we go deeper in the week. It's so where we can discuss and talk and pray and encourage and help one another. It's about applying what we've learned. Sometimes we receive and we learn, but sometimes we got to say, okay, now what am I going to do with it? You know, in the church, there's a lot of talk right now. Alliance Church and church renewal. The day is coming soon where we will not have buildings to worship in. The question is, if our buildings are taken away, how will the church carry on? The answer is life groups. That's where we're discipling. That's where we're meeting together. And if all you're doing is attending here, you're going to be in a lot of, you're going to be wondering what to do when the government says we can't let religious people organize anymore. Life groups equips us, prepares us to continue as a church without a building. That's what it's doing. We need to prepare our young people to live and thrive in a Christian life even without a building. There are also opportunities like the Hearing God Seminar. You gotta take that. Uh, If anything, I was personable with you today, transparent, because I want you to know how important it is to me, how important it is to you, that we not only have the Logos of God, we stand on that; He'll never contradict that. But you need to spend time listening to what God wants to say to you and how He wants to direct you. And then we have not only the big gathering, the smaller gathering, the life groups, but there's also the devotional life, the smallest of the gatherings, where you meet with God every day, and that's why I wanted to give you that tool. So you can say, I, there's no reason why I can't. There's a story I tell about uh, a flood that came to town. And the waters were rising, and this Christian man was in his house praying, God, save me from the flood. Believing God would save him from the flood. The, the police came up in a big monster kind of a truck. The waters are high, saying, sir, you gotta get out of your house right now. The floods are coming, you'll die. Man said, I'm not worried. I'm praying to God he's gonna take care of me. Waters f- rose higher. He had to leave the front, the first floor of his house, go to the second floor. Waters were so high. A boat came by. The police came by and said, Sir, get in the boat. The waters are rising. You're going to die. Get in the boat. This, we want to save you. Because don't worry. I'm praying to God. He's going to take care of me. Waters rose again to where he's standing on the roof of this house. A helicopter comes and lowers down the ladder. Sir, get on the ladder. The waters are rising. You're going to die. It's a flood. Man shouted, I'm okay, but pray to God. He's going to save me. Waters rose and he died. Stands before God, says, God, I don't understand. I prayed that you would save me. What happened? God said, I sent you a truck, a boat, and a helicopter, <laughs> and you didn't take any of them. <laughs> See what I'm saying? You cried to tell me you want to be close to God. You want to have that relationship with him. You want to be so close. Well, I'm not understanding. We're giving you tools. It's called church. It's called hearing God. It's called life groups. called devotional It's called devotional tool. So when you stand before God and say, I, 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 just didn't, I don't know why I just never felt so close, God's gonna say, well, I gave you these things. And your church is gonna, I wanna be a pastor of a church who cannot, will not stand before God one day He's going, well, I didn't just kind of went through the motions. I'm, no, we wanna, we wanna provide you with the tools to bring you close to God. Um, this is how I've seen it illustrated. Christian life and in the church as well, it's like, like a chocolate bar. And that verse today, taste, come see God is good. Jesus is like chocolate. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. God answers prayer. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but then, sometimes in our life, we just focus on the packaging <clears throat> and what we're offering. <clears throat> and there's nothing inside We talk a lot about church, but we don't talk about Jesus. And in church, there are good things that we need to understand. This could represent finances, they're important. Could represent our building. Could represent programs, could even represent church furniture. And this is what we give people. come and taste. And I go, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is it? Yeah. This is important, but you all be pointing to this. I think that's what happened in the Church of Ephesus. We read about, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. At the gate, the life of Mark Royal, I also want to point to things that aren't there. I want to be sincere and genuine and keep Jesus the main thing. I don't want to give away wrappers. Anybody want a rapper? A wrapper? I don't want to give away the real things. The packaging, the real chocolate, all of it. Here, kids. (laughs) Yeah. Let's keep. I'm go. But let's keep Jesus the main thing. We need the other things. They equip us, point us, support us, but let us not just keep talking. When you do this, churches fail, split, leave, because this is not what it's about. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's hear from him. Let's spend the time, not just on church and Sundays, but in life groups, hearing God. There'll be other seminars coming, um, church renewal seminars, and our daily devotions. That God may direct me. He may direct you. That we keep our eyes on the main thing. That God is so good. Come and taste as He is good. So Lord, I thank you for that truth. I thank you, God, how you work in my life. Many times you've had to correct me, and you do it so lovingly. So many times I get focusing on the packaging, and it's not about that. It's about you, and what you want to accomplish in through us, and me, and our church, that we would truly love others. You make that so clear in your Bible. How can we not get that? You are love. the greatest commandment is love. We can do many great worldly things, but if we don't love, to you it means nothing. So God, let's not just hear this and go, well, that was interesting. But Lord, let us hear this and realize you're talking to us about our life. These, these, this mist, this vapor we have here on earth, that we'd be prepared for that day when we stand before you and you say, how did you love others? We can share. We can show God how we sincerely, without bringing glory to ourselves, how we loved upon one another, and we loved you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.